I hope that you are enjoying your Labor Day weekend up to this point. And the history of Labor Day, if you didn't know, it was established as a federal holiday back in 1894. And it recognizes the many contributions that have been made by America's workers, like because of the strength and prosperity and the well-being that they have brought to our country. Now, for a lot of people today, it symbolizes the end of summer, even though it may not feel like it right now with the weather, but it's kind of the end of summer. It's celebrated with all sorts of different parties, maybe going to the lake, maybe parades, different athletic events. But during the height of the Industrial Revolution, the average American worked 12-hour shifts seven days a week. And so can you imagine, man, this day, this Labor Day, just to honor that and take a day off? You can see how it was an even bigger celebration then. Then we still like having the day off. I mean, it's still nice to celebrate that and enjoy the day off, but it's not quite the same. But I'll tell you, taking a holiday to kind of just think about work also reminds me of like summer break. Like now it's a little different as an adult. Summer break doesn't mean quite the same thing, but just getting this chance to, to take a breather. Or I think about Fridays. All right. And so now it's time for the weekend. But some of you guys are like, but I don't get a weekend. I work on, you know, the weekends. Hey, I hear you. Okay. But at the same time, Thursday, Thursday gets to be my Friday. And so I look forward to that. However, I will tell you, remembering like growing up as we were driving to school during my junior high and high school times, I remember on the oldie station, that my dad would listen to. A song would come on and it was called Bang the Drum All Day. Okay? It was written in 1982 and this is the chorus. It would say, I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. I don't want to play. I want to bang on the drum all day. Okay? Super deep lyrics. Okay? But like when you would look at the verses, it would talk about this. Since I was a tiny boy, I didn't want any candy. I didn't need a toy. I just took a stick and an old coffee can and I banged on the drum until I had blisters on my hand. And so then it fast forwarded a little bit. And it said, when I got older, the teacher told me that I should stay after school. She caught me banging on the desk with my hands, but my beat was so great it made the teacher want to dance. And so then the third verse that probably most people who would be listening listening to kind of connected with said this every day when I get home from work I'm so frustrated my boss he's a jerk I get my sticks and I go out to the shed and I pound on the drum like it was the boss's head <laughs> that is absolutely not scriptural but I guess it's better a drum than the boss's head today we're going to talk about this topic of work from the book of Proverbs. And we can apply all these principles to an occupation, but it goes so much deeper than that. Like it carries with it the type of person that we are, how we treat the work that we do or needs to be done, even the work that is at home that we need to be able to survive. And so I'm going to tell you up front, this isn't a sermon about what type of job you should work at or what types of boundaries you need to set or how to deal with the stress or how to work with other employees, or even how to deal with your boss. Well, I guess unless you buy a drum, that could work too. And it's not because none of those things are important. In fact, you can find verses that will point to this is how you ought to do those things. But again, I want to focus on what is it that Proverbs teaches us about work this morning. And so we're going to look at quite a few verses, but again, we're going to go chronological so you're not having to turn back and forth and all those kind of things. But I divided it up into two sections, and you'll understand why here in just a few moments. And so for now, if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 10. All right, that's where we're going to start. These are also in the app. If you want to look at the Version app under South Rock Christian Church, you can see these here. But we're going to see what Solomon writes about this idea of work. And so there's 10 different verses we're looking at to begin with. And so chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 is our first text. 
All right. Chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, and here's what it says. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Okay, so you take those two verses. It basically tells you that a hard worker is going to be rewarded while a lazy one is going to be looked down upon. And so there's nothing rockety sciencey about that, but it is very true. Okay, how you work, it comes back to you. Turn to chapter 12. We're going to look at chapter 12, verse 11. Chapter 12, verse 11 is our next verse. That's what it says. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. And so there is a time to dream. Like there is a moment to dream about what might happen, but if you only spend time dreaming and never working towards something, then it doesn't help you out. There has to be a combination of both of those things. Stay in chapter 12. Let's look at verse 24. It says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. And so even again, we hear about the results of hard work and it can even determine what type of job you will end up having. The way you work determines some of those things. Turn to chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 23 is our next verse. And I remember this one from high school. And it says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So profit, like one of the rewards of, of working hard is money or other types of profit. Whereas if you only talk a good game, but you have nothing to back up your work, it leaves you with nothing to show for yourself. Go to chapter 15, verse 22. Proverbs 15, verse 22. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And so in your decision-making, make sure that you seek people to best help you understand the situation that you're in so that, again, you can make that best decision. And then you can put those things into practice. Now, even having told you that, that doesn't mean that every single decision you have to ask someone their advice, you know, maybe the easy ones, the things that you already know, oh, where should we eat for lunch today? Should I file this paperwork now? Should I go to work today? Like, those aren't questions you have to ask anybody else. But on those bigger decisions... Plans can fail if you lean only on your own understanding. Go to chapter 16, verse 3. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says this. Commit to the Lord whatever, you're do, whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. So as you hear this verse, you have to make sure that your heart is doing things for God. Again, where am I coming from? Is my heart doing this for God? Now, I remind you again that Proverbs are not promises, all right? Proverbs are not promises, but they are general truths. And so therefore, if you are giving these things over to God the way he wants you to work, then he will direct them the way he wants them to go. Even if sometimes that's not exactly the way that you thought that it would work out. Still in chapter 16, verse 26 is our next verse. And it says this, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. And so a self-motivated person is able to accomplish a lot of things. And even if that motivation comes from something as simple as food or supplies to be able to survive, that desire to be able to provide for you or your family can be something that inspires you. And so where does your motivation come from? Turn over to chapter 20. 
verse 17. Chapter 20, verse 17. Says this. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouth full of gravel. All right, so the warning here is about getting something through deceit, through theft, through some way that you didn't properly earn it. And oftentimes, when we obtain something through those avenues, the anticipation of it is actually greater than the enjoyment. And so you and I, as we work, we ought to work honestly for the things that we receive. Go to chapter 21, verse 5. 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And so those plans that we talked about earlier, it helps to know where you are headed. And so if you're continually making decisions only in the moment, never planning, never giving any thoughts, never any prayers, then it will not lead you to where you want to go. So again, there is a time to think through things and plan and not just make decisions in the moment. The last verse that we're looking at in this section is chapter 24, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. And it says this, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Okay, now this proverb, it tells us that we ought to take care of the most necessary things first. Like the house, it provides comfort. So it is a need, but food is more of an immediate need. It can be only planted in certain seasons. And so we need to make sure that we're doing things at the proper time. Being a prudent person means knowing what tasks need to get done first. And so even as we're looking at those 10 different verses, there are principles that we can take from them. And we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But next, I want to look at 10 more verses that are grouped together because they have a word in it that just kind of makes me smile. Like I like it. It's not one that we use a whole lot, but that word is sluggard. All right, sluggard. It's just kind of a fun word to say. All right, the Hebrew word is only used in the book of Proverbs, and it means someone who is idle, someone who is lazy, someone who is slothful. And really, I was kind of turned on to this word quite a few years ago when on a missions trip in uh, our last church, we had gone down to Mexico and we were studying the book of Proverbs during our devotion times. And one of the days we looked at this idea of laziness and we read quite a few verses about the sluggard. And I remember at the end of the trip, we stopped off at Carlsbad Caverns on the way home. We, and with the students there, I thought, well, let's have some fun. And so we started a tour guide, okay, or a tour. And so I would guide the students and we would just stop at all these places. And I would begin to make up whatever it was and just tell about whatever was standing there. Like I had no idea and I purposely wasn't trying to say anything truthful just for a lot of fun. So the kids enjoyed that. The funniest thing though was having other people who were walking through and thought we were an actual tour and then would begin to like just join us. And then watching their face when it kind of came to realize that this is not for real. And like them watching each other and then just begin to walk away. Like I will always smile as I think about that. But these next 10 verses, we're going to look at what Solomon says about the sluggard, the one who is lazy. And we're going to see what happens to this type of person. So we're going to start again, kind of back at the beginning and work our way through. So turn back to chapter six. All right. Chapter six. We're going to read verses 6 through 11, at least first to find out what it tells us about the sluggard. I'm just going to tell you, every one of these verses is underlined in my Bible. 
particularly the word sluggard. But here we go. Chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. And yet it stores its provisions in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. And so as you read this text, you hear this idea of do not be lazy because if you do, it will come back to bite you. Instead, look at the ant, be like him. He works hard without anyone even having to tell him to do so. He does what he needs to do so that his needs are met. And so be like him. Go to chapter 10, verse 26. Chapter 10, verse 26. And here's what the verse says. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. So if you're one who works very slowly or purposely like lazy, the person who is giving you the task will not be happy with you. Like you will leave a bad taste or an irritation or even cause them pain. And so this verse tells you to do the jobs that you are assigned and to do them well. Go to chapter 13, verse 4. Chapter 13, verse 4 says this. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And so even the person who is lazy has desires. He does not end up attaining any of them because he does no work to work towards them. But the one who does work hard, he often achieves what he or she sets out to do. Turn to chapter 15, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 19. says, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. And so the lazy, they do so little that by the time they're ready to move, their laziness has caused their task to be so much more difficult. Like maybe now you have less time, or maybe you have less resources, or maybe you even have more people who are trying to accomplish the task at the same time that you are. But those who work hard, they travel on roads that are already built up. Or the ESV, it says, a level highway. You see, they reap the benefits of the work that they have already put in. Turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 24. Here's what it says. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Okay, so first off, that's just a pretty comical picture. <laughs> like you just see this person sitting there not even able to do that. But what it's saying is that laziness can even keep people from doing what is absolutely vital to living. And I'm sure that you know people who maybe live in this manner, that from the outside, you're wondering how in the world can they even live this way? Or maybe, maybe you even had a season where life circumstances or maybe even depression had you feeling so low, man, you had to work really hard not to let apathy defeat you. Like you had to work pretty hard to go, I'm going to step up and do this today. Because in that spot, it's not a state that we want to stay in. 
And so we see what laziness can end up causing someone. Go to chapter 20, verse 4. Chapter 20, verse 4, says this, A sluggard does not plow in season. So at harvest time, he looks, but he finds nothing. And so that's pretty cut and dry. When you don't do the work, you're not going to reap the benefits. There's nothing there because you haven't done any work. Go to chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. Chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. And so again, this goes back to that idea of dreaming, but they don't work as we read in the first section. They don't see a harvest. However, those who do choose to work, they are able to provide for themselves and they are able to help other people as well. Go to chapter 22, verse 13. Chapter 22, verse 13. Says, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside, or I will be murdered in the streets. Okay, that verse is not connected to the one before it. Not connected to the one after it. That's all the verse says. And you may just be going, what does that mean? Like sometimes laziness gets such a hold on people that we make any excuse not to do what we need to do. And when I put it that way, you realize that, oh, that's a pretty relevant verse. Because sometimes we do a really good job at coming up with excuses to get out of what we don't want to do. But it's not healthy. And it doesn't help us to get the job done. Go to chapter 24. Proverbs 24. We're going to read verses 30 through 34. And here's what Solomon writes. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man." So again, we heard that last part earlier, but again, something may start out small, not doing one job, but man, that adds up over time if we continually do that, and that can be our downfall. Here's the last verse that we're looking at, chapter 26, chapter 26, verses 13 through 16. Here's what it says. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Like we see again the excuses about the lion and the extreme laziness with the bowl, but now we have this new picture of how ineffective a sluggard can be. He's compared to just rolling over in his bed again and again and again. Or the sluggard is so wise in his own eyes, no amount of facts or reason will help him because he chooses not to listen. And just tell you, as we read all those verses, like you can hear this idea of working being one that Solomon wanting to pass along to his son. And remember, the purpose of Proverbs is so that you might have the best life. 
fact, I remember a movie called The Ultimate Gift. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. The second, third, and the ones in the trilogy, eh, you can take it or leave it. Not quite as quality. But the first one, Ultimate Gift, in this movie, uh, there is this idea where a grandfather passes along gifts to his grandson. And one of the gifts is this idea of work. Instead of just living off money that's been passed down to him through the family, and so he parties all the time and he has no purpose, he learns how meaningful doing work can actually be. And in Solomon's own life, he worked hard and then he also led his workers well. So they accomplished some pretty big feats. Like it was under Solomon that the temple of God was built. And then he built his own palace, which took 13 years as well. And after listening to these verses, here's what I want to end with kind of today. I want to tell you five instructions that we can grab a hold of. Like, what does it mean for us with this idea of work? And again, that can be an occupation, but it can also be this work that we accomplish at tasks at home or in the community or at church. And so the first is this, establish the right priorities. Like you and I, we need to establish the right priorities. One of the verses talked about doing the most important things first. Yeah, but sometimes the most important thing is not the most fun, right? Like we really don't want to do that. And I'll tell you, there are certain times where you're going to have plenty of time. You can do the easier task first. I get it. But boy, there are other times that the product, the end result of our main task is not what it could have been because we didn't prioritize it as what was most important. We ran out of time. We ran out of resources. Maybe we even ran out of energy because we focused on something else first. Or maybe we procrastinated before we even started, which is a downfall as well. And so we need to make sure that the most important things get done first before we focus on the smaller things. Know what your deadlines are. And even tied into this idea of right priorities is something we call delayed gratification. The idea that if I get this job done first, then I get to enjoy the fruits of it. I get to enjoy the peace of having it done even more. So over the long haul, doing work in its proper order allows you to enjoy life more. Contrary to what any partier or any sluggard might tell you. Secondly, we see that we should practice proper time management. All right, now there's a tongue twister there, but practice proper time management. And this one ties in closely to what we just talked about, but even within those jobs, be purposeful with what you give the most time to. As you're looking at life overall, kind of from, you know, just a overarching look, um, make sure that you spend time working, but don't overwork. Spend time having fun, but not at the overall state of your life. And in Proverbs, we are told there is a time to dream about the future. There's a time to make plans so you know what's going to happen. There's even a time that you're supposed to rest and relax. But there's also a time to do hands-on labor. And so Solomon points out that having proper time management with all of those things will help you to live well. Thirdly, we need to understand that you reap what you sow. And over and over again, it was pretty clear that if you don't work, you're not going to eat. And the way that you often work brings consequences, either good or bad. And so when you work well, it brings a crop. It accomplishes tasks well. It sometimes brings about a promotion. It also puts you in good standing with your boss if they're even paying a little bit of attention to the way that you work. The flip side of that, if you're not a hard worker, Solomon says you are vinegar to the teeth. You are smoke to their eyes. And when you look for your return, 
you're not going to find anything. Don't be surprised when nothing is there because the principle is true that you reap what you sow. Fourthly, when it comes to work, we need to live with the correct motivation. Like live with the correct motivation. What is it that drives you? Because what drives you to accomplish things will end up like leading to where it goes. Like in Proverbs, we saw how the reason that you are working can impact the way you work. If your job is commission-based, then sometimes you're a little bit more motivated to make that last sale because of what comes back to you. Or maybe if you have the opportunity to rise up in your company, you take certain tasks a little bit more seriously or you're more intentional about them. If your motivation is to give your children the best life possible, like you become very purposeful about what you do for them while you're with them, whether that's at home or even while they're away, you're still being intentional. Like having the correct motivation also means that you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you to do something. Like be a self-starter. Look for jobs that aren't getting completed so that you can help with that. Like that goes a long way in your own satisfaction, but also with those around you. I can tell you with this area of motivation, do you remember the simple truth that you're working for God? Like we are told to commit everything to him. In our Colossians series, we read how everything we do should be for the glory of God. And so work at whatever you do with integrity, doing it to serve him. As Marshall Segal once said, where you work is not nearly as important as why you work. And so this can help you out a ton, especially in those moments when maybe you don't feel like going to work or you don't feel like accomplishing that task that is right in front of you. Here's an important truth for some of you, that Mondays have no power over God. And so may you have the proper motivation as you go back, but not tomorrow. Here's the final instruction that we hear from Solomon that we learn. It's that we need to listen to counsel. We need to listen to counsel. And as you work, especially if you're tasked with something that you've never done before, don't be too prideful to ask for help. It doesn't mean that you have to ask in every situation. I mean, you were hired for a job and you've probably done similar tasks before and you've seen how they turned out, but plans succeed with many advisors because in those moments you get to hear different viewpoints compared to what only you can see alone. Or maybe you learn from someone who has already done a similar task in their line of work. Or you open yourself up to more resources than what you would have all by yourself. Or even you might create a team and you don't have to do all the work yourself. Earlier in the series, we looked at pride comes before a fall. And so don't be afraid to ask and listen to others. Doesn't mean that you always have to take what they say, especially if you have good reasons on this is why I'm choosing what I am. But if you gather others and you ask them for their input, but you already know what you're going to do and you choose not to listen to what they say, don't be shocked if things don't work out. We need to be wise enough to listen. So overall, like we need to work hard. We need to work well. We need to work smart. We need to work for God. We need to treat others right. We need to listen to advice. And if you do that, you will see the benefits of those things in your life. But the very last thing that I want to end on is this idea, as we're talking about work and work ethic, is that we need to apply these principles to following after God. And I'm not talking about trying to earn his love or earn a higher position in heaven, whatever you think about that. But I'm talking about we need to take our faith in Christ seriously. 
Like, let's not just carry around a title of Christian, but live no differently than anyone who doesn't believe. Jesus Christ, he died on a cross for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you might have eternal life, so that you could experience life to the full. Therefore, may you serve with intentionality. May you have times that you relax and refresh, like that is biblical. But also, may you have times where you use your gifts to advance the kingdom, because that's also biblical. May all you do be for his glory. I want you to listen to what the author of Hebrews says in a section where he's talking to the body of believers about not falling away from your faith. In Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 12, he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Do not become lazy in your faith. Do not make excuses for not faithfully following after him. But keep, lo- keep your love for God as the main priority. And if he's the main priority, then schedule time to allow that relationship with him to grow. And when you do that, your relationship will reap the uh, intentionality. And the more you walk with him, the more you'll please him because you get to know him better and better. And all we do, our paid jobs, our work at home, our places that we volunteer, and even serving Christ through all of it, May he be glorified. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I just pray that we take these principles. God, we continue to encourage these, uh, continue to live in these principles that we already are, that it honors you. God, I pray that you would give us strength in maybe moments that are difficult to do this. But may we remember that all of it does honor you. And so thank you for your example and for what you have done so that we could be with you for eternity. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.